Kate, welcome. I am super excited to connect. It's been, I'm not going to say how long it's been, uh, but as a, <laughs> we've known each other a really long time. Just a few years from back in the high school days. And yeah, just uh, like 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. And you know, how crazy is it? And while you and Mike were in the same grade, you and Mike end up together. Kathy and I, you know, are married. So we both really kind of came uh, back to high school, came back to high school. And uh, how, how wild is that? Not to interrupt, but I'm actually younger. So no, I know. He was yeah, actually no, a year older than me. Actually, mm -hmm. two years, but um, but in school, yeah, a year older. Yeah. But yeah, it's so crazy because you and you and Kathy have the same exact kind of situation where I graduated from high school, picked up, moved out to Los Angeles, started my life out there. Mm -hmm. Mike had graduated, moved down to Texas, and started his life in Texas, had gotten married, had kids, got divorced. I was doing the whole entertainment industry career thing. Mm -hmm. And my sister, Chrissy, Chrissy, now mm -hmm. Jake's Chrissy Lacey, um, reached out to me when I was going up to a film festival. And she's like, do you remember Mike Kylie from high school? <laughs> I just really think you guys would hit it off. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'm not dating yeah, some yeah, dude yeah. from Texas. And mm -hmm. cut to 10 years later, we're married and, and I live in Texas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and like exactly. you and Kathy too. I love that you and Kathy have that same kind of thing because isn't it so? I don't. I don't know what it is, but there's something about being with somebody who has the same roots that you connect on a different level. Yeah, and even though you know, I mean, Kathy and I hung out a little bit in high school, but not a lot. But just kind of coming back and reconnecting after all of these years it was really it was really just a matter of you know it was kind of right and it felt right and you know yeah. things just happen for a reason and, and uh, just a better understanding of each other yeah. you know like understanding like we are both like big irish catholics and same mm -hmm. type of family same type of you know, like even just mutual friends, because Mike and I really didn't know each other that yeah. well. I knew of him, but we never really talked. Mm -hmm. I mean, he remembered me as a cheerleader, he admitted. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but it was, it after, especially after dating probably every generation of moron that exists, <laughs> um, it was so nice to have this guy that like, I could yeah. talk about like hanging out with my friends at Nathan Bill and like, mm -hmm. you know, all these things. All those fun stuff. Too. It was yeah. funny. I was just, I was just talking to Marty Caproni and we were talking about those exact same that. things hanging out at Nathan Bill. <laughs> I know. It was so, well, and, and it's so crazy because I was just back there. I went, thank God my parents got vaccinated. Mm. And so I was finally able to come home and see them. Yeah. Um, which was like, it was amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Like the amount of relief I felt after they got vaccinated was just mm -hmm. insane. But um, I went back there and I was just driving down by Nathan Bill and all these things. And I'm like, man, I, first of all, having teenage boys now, like, cause you know, I have two stepsons. <laughs> I'm like, I don't even want to, I don't yeah. want to know that you're at the age and older than I was when I was partaking in some crazy parties there. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's a little wild to think about it gets a little surreal you're just like and then I'm thinking to myself but I'm not that old so I don't really know what I know, you know? And it's like, like in our crazy. 30s so it's weird it's wild 
I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, so speaking of just kind of moving up and leaving Massachusetts yeah. and heading to LA, did you, uh, did you always know that that was something that you wanted to do? Like that's, that's fascinating yeah. for me because I just, you know, I'm actually talking to Jason Lassard as well. And, you know, he oh, I just and, friended, we just Facebook connected. Yeah. Like we're headed, you know, he, he, you know, he went up to Alaska and that at that age that just baffles me to just even think about doing something like that. So I really, I'm really kind of interested to. Yeah. Know. Well, I knew from the time I have memories, I knew I always loved entertaining people. I always hmm. loved making people laugh. And I remember like we would go to Canada when we were kids, we would go up for a week with my grandparents and my parents and aunts and uncles. Mm -hmm. And and I remember putting on like shows like on the picnic table where we would like do dance recitals or something. Yeah. And, and I remember like people would ask me what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I, I actually would say a comedian cause I love like Robin Williams That's and cool. Billy yeah. Crystal stand up. And, but, and it's funny because I remember watching when I was too young to really get the joke, but I, but they were so great in their delivery that I loved mm. that. And, and so I always knew I wanted to entertain. And then when I was in high school, I actually, it's funny because I went to one drama club meeting mm. and I was joking around with a friend and I can't remember who I want to say was it Mrs. Wesowitz or somebody was like the, I don't remember. Um, no, it wasn't that one. Anyway, somebody was the teacher and I just remember she was not happy with me. And I remember like shutting down and I was like, mm, this mm. is not, I'm not, I shouldn't do this. This is not for me. And so I didn't do it in high school. And I, and I remember too, trying to be like too cool for school or I'm like, whatever, I don't even <laughs> want to do it. And like secretly I'm crushed. And, like, Which is, and that's, and that's, and that's, <laughs> That's too bad, right? Like, just because it was yeah. your way of expressing something, you know, you kind of tucked it away for a little bit. Yeah, and well, and I'm also, yes, 100%. And I feel like, you know, particularly in today's world, you know, it's nice to be a little bit more open to what kids are, how they express themselves or, or whatever. But it worked out for me because mm. I then went on to college where I could kind of reinvent myself and really um, pursue yeah. what I wanted to pursue. And so then I like, I was nothing but an actress and nothing mm. but performing arts and nothing but, and that was my whole college career. And, and so- where did, where did you go to school? Did you so go to school in LA? Out of high school, I will say, probably not too proud to admit that I barely graduated from cathedral, like skin of teeth. I really yes. enjoyed high school. I had a lot mm -hmm. of fun. You know, you know, Kate, you and I are similar in a lot of ways, you know, especially like after my father passed, like the last, oh, but the last two semesters, like I really didn't do anything. And I had to do like multicultural day to get extra credit yeah. so that I could graduate because I just didn't do anything. And then out of, yeah. out of high school, I didn't even want to go to school. So I took two years off before I then went back to, to college. Well, I went, I did community college. So I went to yeah. Holyoke Community College, which big props to them because it was fantastic experience. Yeah. Um, and also, to be honest with you, I don't, I don't really get why we don't encourage that more. For oh, yeah. Our I went to kids. HCC. It was great. Like, what because, a great way to. First of all, who knows what they want to do? Like, 
I did. I was lucky, but they're like, how do kids know what they want to do at 16, 17, 18 years old? Mm-hmm. And like having the ability to save money while you're figuring it out, mm-hmm. it just makes so much sense. But I think it there's really so does. much pressure to like, you have to get into a good school and you have to be accepted to a great school. Mm-hmm. And so like, and they you have go to come and- away with $250,000 and that, you know, like, yeah, you know, sometimes so, well, financially, it doesn't always make sense either, you know, and that's what, what I mean. Yeah. Like, like why, why waste the money when you're just trying to figure out what it is that you want to do? And it's, it's yeah. purely a stigma. That's it. That's the only reason it's because there's a mm-hmm. stigma attached to community college. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it worked for me, but, but yeah. so I, I, but here's the thing, here's the difference between us. You were dealing with something very heavy in high school. I yeah, but even was, before that, okay, I, you know, I, I enjoyed school and I wish that I had put the you know, knowing now and yeah. what I've done for myself and the way that I've guided things and realizing the work that it takes to to achieve these things, mm-hmm. I wish that I had applied that a lot sooner because I had yeah, I had the I had the ability. It's not that I didn't have the ability. I just didn't apply it, you know, in, in the right way. I don't know about you, but I've really the older I've gotten, the more I've come to realize how um, ADHD I, I am wow. and and that wasn't a thing, right? When we were in school, like that was it was like settle down, relax, I stop couldn't, being so anxious. I couldn't sit still for the life of me. And then I had me asthma. Either. So yeah. I was put on this this medicine called slophalin. And that in and itself made me off the wall. Like I yeah. had no ability to sit down and pay attention to yeah. anyone or anything. Yeah, and that I think that that's the problem is that because it wasn't a thing, educators mm-hmm. didn't really know how to address it. And so I would sit through, I'm not kidding. Like I used to draw, <laughs> like I was so bad at school that I remember doing this in every single class, I would draw this in the beginning of class. Okay, <laughs> And every 15 minutes, I would shade in the 15 minutes, 15 minutes. so that I could count down until class was over wow. because yeah. I couldn't focus and I would, I'm a daydreamer. Mm-hmm. So I would be like in the clouds or like living my life in Hollywood while I'm sitting in ninth yeah. grade. Using all know. of that creative stuff that like yeah. people kind of don't really, you know, unless you are kind of in that, some people don't understand it because it's yeah. just like, oh, your head's in the clouds. Well, yeah, it is because I'm thinking of some pretty cool shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's what I think happened. So, so that kind of like led me to like barely graduating but like looking I'm very big at um lessons and blessings so like Mm -hmm. if I when I come up to challenges or tragedy or anything in life I think what are the lessons and blessings because if we don't look for those then it's all negative and all bad and we get crushed Mm. so for me I feel like the the lessons and blessings of of me barely graduating were that I was able to go to a community college where I was able to really establish my roots, where I was able to really bring up my GPA, where I was able to then be able to get into Emerson College, which is one of the best acting schools in the country. Mm. And so so it's like, had I not gone that path, Mm. my my entire life would be completely different. And so- So then I I went on to Emerson and got my acting degree. And again, I was raised, my parents are incredible. Mm. We are so lucky because we had the perfect combination of people, person, and my mom who could talk to a cashier for five hours and 
my dad, who is also a people person, but a really incredible businessman and really a driven, ambitious person. And so having those two qualities in myself, when I dedicated myself and so having both of those qualities as a part of who I am, it was never a question that if I had decided I was committing to acting, which I had, that I was going to do it at the highest level. Never a question. Like, it wasn't like, well, but maybe I can't. It's like, no, I'm going to do this. So I'm going to do it the best that I can do it, which required me to go go either to New York City or Los Angeles. Um, My parents had actually, my dad got a job in um, the Los Angeles area when I was in college. And so really my decision to move to LA was one, I'd always wanted to move to LA. But two, I'd had the ability to experience Mm, living out there for a little bit with my, when my parents were out there. And so I, as soon as I graduated, um, I packed up a U-Haul with my best friend from kindergarten and we drove cross country. Um, And, you know, here's, here's the thing is I really do feel like I was blessed to be born with knowing what it is that I was meant to do in this world and my purpose, which by the way, didn't actually turn out to be acting for me, but it, it is, um, it was knowing that I wanted to act or entertain people that led me to my current role as a producer, which is basically telling it's, it's, it's the same thing. It's entertaining people, but it's telling stories on a bigger scale. scale. And I think the, uh, the, uh, unfortunate thing is I know there are a lot of people who don't know what that is mm-hmm. in their life well, and a lot of people you know we kind of go on this path and especially our generation right like we our parents really went through a lot their parents mm-hmm. went through a lot and so you know <clears throat> we were a generation I think of individuals that just worked 60 hours a week and wanted to climb this ladder and just had your head down and really didn't focus on yourself. And I didn't really get that until after my mom passed when I really, I had lost my identity for six years. My identity was taking care of mom. And then after that happened, I was just like, well, now what? Like I really needed to find that. So then I went on this journey of trying to just understand who I was. And that led me to understanding what my passions were, what my purpose was, and that we all have something to give. We all have something bright inside of us. And it's just a matter of discovering it, developing it, and then giving that back to the world. Well, and I, you know, I was just talking to Mike about this, like this idea that everybody is good at something, right? Like every single individual alive is, is extraordinary at doing one thing. And the sad thing is knowing that some people don't get a chance to find out what that one thing is is. and struggling to find it. And my feeling has always been, and again, growing up Catholic and my relationship with God, um, which I kind of have more of a, I'm not as devout a Catholic as I once was in my life, Mm -hmm. but I do still have a very strong relationship with God and faith in my life. And I I honestly feel like your gut instinct is God's way of communicating with you, right? So if, if we have like this gut instinct, everybody says, oh, you always got to trust your gut instinct. I, I truly feel that that's God's form of guiding you. And so I, I always say to those people who are kind of struggling or lost or not knowing, I just break it down to the basics. What brings you joy? 
What makes you happy? Does it make you happy yeah. to help others like you? So yes, then that's a calling for you. So go towards that, you yeah. know, like, and follow your gut instincts there. Cause I feel like that's, what's going to lead you ultimately. Like my gut instinct was to entertain people. I love doing that. And so I, I followed my gut instinct to a, a, a way that I thought I could do that in acting, which led me to another, mm -hmm. but you know, well, and that's it. And it's, it's really it's our own internal north star so i mean I, I was certainly brought up you know catholic as well but my attraction to that is more universal right like the universe has energy and 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 that's really yeah. where whether it be god with the universe it's it's still that same understanding that we have this this understanding deep with inside and and that gut instinct is never wrong if you follow it for the right reasons and, and you have all of that. Like it's, 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 it's leading you down a path, which ultimately may lead you somewhere else, but you can never get there unless you start on that path. Yeah. And I think that people, you know, I think that sometimes the struggle comes in like, okay, well, but is this my gut instinct or is it something else? And yeah. you know, like, how do I know if it's my gut instinct? And Explore that's it. <laughs> well, and, right. And I think it's because we, we let in too much noise. Like yeah. we have all of this noise and all these voices and it's like, just stop, stop. stop. We have other, we have other quiet. people's, we have other people's opinions about who yeah, we're supposed to be. We have, we have other people's opinions about this specific topic because it wasn't right for them and they didn't like it. And so, oh, well, maybe I won't like it. Well, how do you know you haven't tried it? And that's, yeah. I feel like we as a society are way too concerned with other people's thoughts Opinions. of our life yeah like because i i honestly look i'm human so clearly i don't want to i don't want to have people not like me or not respond positively but does does other people's perceptions and opinions of who i am as a person and the choices that i'm making matter to those choices absolutely not and if you know i will sidebar to say i always people's opinions so i'm not talking about like that inner circle i'm talking about like mm -hmm. other people who don't really matter well, it, i don't worry about that because i'm waking up with me mm -hmm. at 50 60 70 years old so and and that's a that's 100 i will especially people that are close to me i, I will take in other other people's opinions, other people's ideas. But at the end of the day, I have to make the decisions for myself. And so right. the one thing about that, that not a lot of people do is a lot of people don't really define what it is that they're ultimately looking to do, right? So mm -hmm. if you don't, if you don't know where you're going, then you, you can't really understand how you're going to get there. And so that, yeah. that's really, you know, understanding that you wanted to entertain people. And it was like, okay, well, I'm going to do that in a couple of different ways. And so here's how I can pursue that. You right. Know? And, and the thing is, is nobody else knows your personal journey. I don't, yeah. you know, it's like, things can make sense for somebody else looking from the outside in, they could say, Oh, well, why don't you do this? Or why are you doing that? Or whatever based off of their own life experiences and what yeah. what they've come to know of life through those lens mm -hmm. that's not mine that's not my yeah. experience in this world and so i feel like we we really need to stop wasting time making decisions for our own lives based on how other, other people, people perceive them because are you waking up with them when you're 60 70 years old having regrets you know yeah i love it it's yeah keep well, spreading that say, message yeah this 
that the the one time in my life that this applies most to was so quick kind of encapsulation of the history. I moved out to Los Angeles, got an internship um, to learn more about um, the business for my acting. Mm -hmm. It was in feature film casting at the Warner uh, Warner Brothers Studios, which led to me uh, leading into like a decade long career in casting. Yeah. Um, which uh, I was actually hired uh, at the Walt Disney Company in live action feature films and went from an assistant to an executive within the department. Did oh, that very quickly. And yeah. so um, at 29 years old, <clears throat> I found myself in one of those places where I realized that I fell into casting and never really wanted to do it, but I was really good at it. Um, and I connected to it. It, it. I could read with actors. So I was appeasing that creative side, mm -hmm. but it wasn't my dream job. Mm -hmm. And I felt like a sellout. And I remember thinking, you're going to regret your life. If you keep doing this, you're going to regret your life. What are you doing? You have to quit. But it was this incredible job. And, you know, I'm an executive for a feature film studio at 28, 29 years old. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. And I should be appreciative and I should, you know, but I was miserable. And so I made the decision to quit my job and go back to try to pursue acting and the life that I thought I was supposed to be living. Yeah. And the one time in my life where I was so consciously aware of how I would be perceived by others. And, you know, working in casting, it's kind of like this, um, one of those jobs where people wanna be your friend, right? Cause you're a buyer because oh, you can sure. give them yeah, something it's... and you know and and I was going from that role in Hollywood to like to the other set right like oh you're gonna like you're gonna want to be an actress like okay you know and I it crippled me which is by the way why I stayed in casting for 10 years but when mm. I finally made the decision to not worry about that and to say, who cares? If they think that, they think that. They don't know my life experience. They don't know my dreams and desires and hopes. Mm -hmm. Okay, I can't control it. And so I jumped off the cliff and yes, it was the best decision I ever made in my life. Yeah. And it led to everything. It led to me producing. It led to me finding my husband. It led to every everything that was meant for me in my life started in that moment. Yeah. And I love that analogy of jumping off the cliff because I um, I quote Steve Harvey all the time because he's a big advocate. Whenever you hear Steve Harvey mm -hmm. talk, he's always just like, at some point, you have to take a leap. You mm -hmm. have to, you know, do some of those things. And that's just it's it is it's a great analogy of just. And I was following uh, of, God's of instinct again. You know, yeah. I my gut was pushing me and saying, "This is what you should be doing, so you need to do it." And yeah. and once you embrace that. It's such a beautiful thing. And, and by the way, all the um, friends that I thought I would lose and all that, my most powerful friends in Hollywood are to this day, good this friends in my life and biggest supporters that I had. That's fantastic. And so what was casting like? Like what, what, what is that whole process so, like? So casting is the process of putting actors in the roles in television and and films mm -hmm. and theater um, productions. And so for me, it was awesome. I, I mean, I loved it because I had this unique ability 
to be able to know what it is that the producers, director, whatever that creative team is looking for, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but be able to translate it through, um, through the heart of an actor, right? Yeah. Because I, so I- You were making that match. Yeah. yeah, and I was able to yeah. understand both sides of it. And so I always love that. I, my being in um, sessions, pre-reads or, or um, so pre-reads are an audition mm -hmm. process. It's like the first level of auditioning to get a part. And um, callbacks or producer sessions is like the next level of auditions, right? I love those sessions because it was when I got to play with actors. And that was always mm. the most fun part for me. That and getting to be a part of telling an actor that they got a part or telling their agents that yeah. they got the part. It was yeah. always just so cool. Yeah. Which awesome. is why, yeah, it really, I kind of relate that a lot to recruiting because it's, it's yeah. such a feel good type of thing. And, and I would imagine you probably have a lot of empathy, right? So you're able to kind of, uh, you know, feel that from somebody and, and, yeah, and also kind of just you know, have that. Uh, well, on the flip side of the excitement of being able to um, let an actor know they got the part, there was also the side of letting actors um, know they didn't get a part. And I yeah. always... You know, my whole thing with rejection, because rejection is such a huge part of this business. I still deal with it all the time, personally. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's one of those things where I continue to say, you know, you cannot look at rejection as a statement on you. It's not. It's there's one person who is right for every role and you just weren't that person. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's not, it's nothing you did wrong. It's not, it's just that you weren't that person. And I think that that applies a lot too. It's like, there's so many opportunities that we want in life or so many things that we, we fight for, or we work for, and we don't get, and we feel like a failure or we feel, and it's like, no, that opportunity just wasn't for you. Yeah. It's that, that simple. It really is. <laughs> 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 and so had you done any acting while you were in yes, this casting so, bit or no, was no, no I put okay. it totally totally on hold it was and because I felt like again coming kind of from my my um, dad's side when if we dedicate our, ourselves to something we do it a hundred percent yeah and it, otherwise don't do it and so it I couldn't do I tried to to like do this um, sketch comedy thing, but it was too, I couldn't really, um, I felt like I was splitting my focus. And so I dove into the casting 100% mm -hmm. and, um, and I quit because I, because I couldn't, I couldn't faithfully and um, completely give myself to casting when my mind wasn't was... and my heart wasn't in it. And but I would imagine that a lot of what you were doing while you were casting and doing those reads also then helped you yeah, it, it take that to, reverse yeah, side to that muscle. Yeah. All along. Yeah. So it wasn't like yep. it was, wasn't like you weren't kind of working at it. You just, you were just doing it in a different capacity, yeah. which then allowed you to then make that switch. Right. Right. And then, and what was cool is after I quit my job um, at Disney, which by the way, my boss, Marsha Ross, was so incredible and like mm. she actually held my job for me for like six months in case I changed my mind she was That's awesome. amazing yeah. yeah but what happened is when I quit I um I had some agent and manager friends that were like hey would you mind working with my client I'm getting some bad feedback from them in auditions and just wanted to see if you could like figure it out and you know I wasn't doing anything so I was like yeah sure so I started working with actors doing that my favorite part of casting which was that reading part and 
And mm -hmm. I'd worked with, you know, a couple actors. And I was like, oh yeah, they're not doing this. And they were like easy little tweaks that I could work on. Well, that actually led to this coaching business starting when I quit. And I was so lucky because I worked with so many awesome yeah. actors. One of them um, is uh, Mahershala Ali, who we worked on House of Cards together, which was like his breakout role. And now of course he's Academy Award winning, like, you know, amazing guy. <laughs> but he's a, such a good human being though. And yeah. that's what I think is important is there's some people in this business that eh, maybe like they don't deserve the success so much. He 100% deserves every bit yeah. of success. That's but fantastic. but I was able yeah. to like work with people like that. And so it's just funny as another reminder of like, oh, I quit my job and I think I'm going to lose this thing. And it create it opened up this whole like area of my life that I never would have ever imagined. You know, but it's nice because you had obviously built up a nice reputation of kind of who you were and what you did, which yeah. then allowed contacts and relationships, an yeah. easier relationship with, with this, which then led into, um, and so what is, I'm fascinated because I know that you've had a lot of different uh, um, kind of parts and, in, in, yeah. in, in, you know, what is that like? I, I, yeah. you know, I have such a, so I will tell you for me, like I love one-on-one -on -one conversations. I can do this with anybody. Yeah. Um, the first time I did a Ted talk at Hanover where I was working, yeah. I wore two t-shirts because the, the sweat <laughs> that was coming down the back was just tremendous and I knew that was going to happen and so yeah. you know I, I I mean some people just don't have that and I understand that for me it's completely foreign because I get so caught up in my own emotion that yeah. I bring out all of this anxiety for myself yeah I think well one going back to like I I'd always you know keep in mind in college all all I did was theater so it was literally in front of huge audiences. Like that was my whole jam was performing in front of big audiences. And so I was, that was actually a comfort zone to me. I'll tell you what was mm. weird is after having received a BFA, at, you know, studying under uh, Kristen Linklater and like all this training that I have. For those who don't know, what is a BFA? Oh, uh, Bachelor's of Fine Arts. So okay. an acting, a degree in acting. Yeah, I wasn't, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Um, you, you would think that when I left casting after, and, and which is nothing but like involving the audition process, you would think that when I went back to acting, I could handle auditioning. And it, it was weird working in casting did some kind of weird psychological glitch for me. And I was not good at auditioning and mm -hmm. I couldn't figure it out because I was like, I know how to do this part. I know how to audition, but something about, and I, I honestly think it was that perception thing where mm. I was on that side. And so I was feeling like, oh, they're judging me to make sure that I actually can be an actress because they only know me from casting and I have to prove myself. Yes. And I was putting all this unnecessary yeah. nonsense on myself. And so the auditioning process stuff was quite scary to me, which was mm are because yeah. <laughs> I tell actors all the time like don't be nervous it's <laughs> but but I did I was fortunate enough to nail a few of them and um I did some I did uh I had a recurring on uh a, a, this small nurse role on private practice and 
Um, I was in, um, I did a guest star on NCIS, which Mark Harmon, nicest guy in this business, hands down, awesome mm. human. Um, and I did what oh, I had a recurring role as um, a corner on NCIS Los Angeles. Yeah, um, yeah. I was in a few movies, but like small, you know, smaller things. But yes, I was like really fortunate. And I will tell you where you were like, you know, sweaty. And I, my first time on a set, especially a procedural, which is like um, NCIS, CSI, those yeah. kinds of yeah. shows. I was not prepared for how uncreative it was. It was like, you don't show up on set and they're like, let's talk about your intentions for the role. It's like, <laughs> okay, here's your mark. You're gonna walk over here. You're gonna hand him this thing. You're gonna go back to your mark. You're gonna turn, but don't turn too much because we don't wanna go too far away from this camera. And it's like, it's so technical that you're like, Ugh. so wow. it was like, yeah. like a little overwhelming, because, but it was good. It was yeah. fun. It was because it, it's learning something new and. I still, to this day, I'm like, I got paid for that. Like, and now, so were you still doing some coaching while you were yeah. acting? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I was coaching. I mean, just really, it's funny because kind of like what you're, um, what you're doing in terms of, um, you know, sharing a little insight of, of pursuing life's goals and things like that. Like, I worked as a coach more on that kind of spiritual mental side of things where the actual technique stuff was very easy for me. I could knock mm. that out with them in a matter of minutes, just like, you know, hold your eye line here a little bit more, really feel the intention of this moment. Like this is a transition, find that, like that kind of stuff was easy. What I really worked with my clients, particularly the ones that I had like an ongoing relationship with was really the the mind f mm. right like all that oh, like yeah. getting over that mental side of auditioning and this business and all that it was it's so like some of my friends called me the audition doctor because like well, just I would imagine, that. I would imagine you probably had to help people see themselves sometimes differently than mm -hmm. they could because that's mm -hmm. really what a lot of us suffer from is that we want this this life we want to be this individual but sometimes through no fault of other people like we take other people's opinions and we take other yeah. people's thoughts going right back to all of that about who we are or what we're supposed to be and it's very difficult to then see ourselves as this other person through I, a variety of reasons yeah i think innately we all seek validation right? Yeah. We all just want validation that yes, you are doing what you're supposed to be doing. Yes, you are good at what you do. Yes, you are. You made the right choice. And so part of my job with my clients was to say, you need to validate yourself because nobody else is going to give it to you. Yeah. So once you validate yourself, you're good, right? And so that's a part of, and we all go through that struggle. But, mm -hmm. but the reality is, is once you give yourself validation and have the confidence in that, you're unstoppable, no matter what you're doing, whether you're a salesperson, an actor, whatever. It, mm -hmm. As soon as you embrace, oh, no, I am good at this. And, oh, mm -hmm. I am supposed to be doing this. Nobody's stopping you. Yeah, yeah. And it's not a matter of if, it's always just a matter of when. That's it. It's opportunity, right? It's, um, what, what is that saying? Um, success is when luck meets opportunity, opportunity or, yeah. or, or whatever that saying is, but Sounds it's true. It's like, 
again, in the, um, you know, the lessons and blessings kind of thing, it's, I, you know, look, I'm currently working on a project that has tested every bit of my, actually all projects that I work on, (laughs) but, but this one has just been, you know, particularly challenging. And I constantly find myself saying, well, it wasn't the right time. So I can fight it. I can be depressed about it. I can be, you know, like, oh, but we have to make, we have to do, okay, but it's not the right time. So until it's, the time that it's supposed to be made, you're, you're stressing yourself out for nothing. Yeah. I feel like it's a, it's like a flow thing, right? Like mm-hmm. sometimes it's just, it's like, stop trying to fit a square peg into a round yeah. hole and just let totally. it kind of go where it's supposed to. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, I really want to get into, you had your first um, uh, production was casting by correct, which, yeah. which was, Probably as as I'm learning now about your story, which I didn't know, we've known each other for, you know, we're not going to say how long, but understanding that is... Listen, I'll been... say it. I graduated in 92. Um, I'm old. It's fine. It's fine. I embrace being 47. It's. It really I don't care. I, I mean, um, honestly, I'm like... I feel I'm great at 47. Listen, I, I wish I wish I felt like this when I was 30. <laughs> Legit, I, I feel... I'm like, so, I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that must have been a nice way to kind of, one, take this new step for yourself and and, and really tell the story of, of, of kind of the life that you led for a long time. Yeah, you know, and that's again, in this kind of weird, like finding your purpose thing, I only got into producing because I was kind of forced into it. I had no interest in producing. I worked with some of the best producers in this business, never even once thought, oh, that looks fun. Never. But when I was living this pursuing acting life, I was finding myself incredibly bored. I am a really um, intellectually driven person. And so there was only so much like hiking the canyon and keeping in shape and, you know, blah, 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 to pursue this actress life that I could handle because I was feeling like I am going crazy. And Mm. so I'd had lunch one day with a friend of mine um, who's also a casting director, Joanna Colbert. And she... And I just started talking about like where uh, we came from in the casting world. And I said, oh, I actually worked for Marion Doherty. And she's like, oh, that's so funny because I worked for Juliet Taylor and Juliet worked for Marion and blah, blah, blah. And we just kind of started spitballing this idea of like, well, it would be really interesting to like share Marion's stories because she had all these incredible stories. Um, And for those who don't know, one, watch the film Casting By, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but two, It's about uh, my first boss in this business, Marion Doherty, who was really like the first casting director, meaning Mm. there was a system in place where actors were on contract with studios. And so the actors that you saw in films back in the day were, were put in those roles by the studio. Well, then this casting director role kind of came to be where she would, or he would be responsible for finding actors to put into productions. And so Marion kind of pioneered that profession. And so when I was interning for her 
at Warner Brothers, she would be telling me stories while we were smoking cigarettes in the executive building about, you know, giving James Dean his first role and Paul Newman and Robert Redford and Danny Glover. Wild. I was like, what? And so we, so we, Joanna and I decided, okay, like, let's do this. Let's try to make a film. Let's tell we hired, story. yeah, and we hired a producer who just um, failed and, and kind of like wanted to leave the project and go move to Greece or and whatever. And so I just found myself kind of thinking, all right, well, I guess I'm going to have to do it. Like, I'll have to produce this. And it literally was the, um, the decision that, I made that led me to my purpose because doing that, mm. producing that film drove me intellectually, um, emotionally, like everything. I just felt like, yes, I like yeah. doing this. You could put yourself into this work. Yeah, I just fully and just, in, and it drove me and it challenged me, <laughs> and irritated me, but like, I loved it. And I, I'm a, I'm a really big, um, I'm a seller. Like I can say, you know, I think we should all know what our strengths are and what we do. And, mm -hmm. and one of my biggest strengths is I can sell anything. <laughs> like, and if I believe in it, I definitely can sell. And so that's a big um, asset to have as a producer because you're you selling. To... Well, I mean, think about it. Like investors, like if you were to say <coughs> to somebody, you should invest in a movie you're basically saying, do you want to lose money? Because mm -hmm. it's like, it's not a, a wise choice. But if you're passionate about why you're telling the story and what yeah. you're doing and what it's capable of achieving, then you can sell anything. And that's kind of what we did with Casting Buys. I so believed in Marion's story. I yeah. so believed in people's interest in knowing these stories that I was able to sell it to anybody I needed to in order to get this film made. And we did that. Um, and Tom Donahue was the director who did an incredible job. And we literally, I mean, and this is not in conceit. I'm just saying yeah. the film did really well in terms of a first outing of a film. It, it did dream case scenario for premiering at Toronto, selling to it's, HBO, Emmy nomination, and you know, all of, um, it. All of it. It was just, it, we did really well. So it just started my whole producing life. I love that. And it's such an amazing way to just, again, you take all of these different kind of aspects of your life mm -hmm. that we know just kind of lead us and continue us into different directions, right? Because if we yeah. can always, you know, I, I love just saying that we're always able to explore new boundaries for ourselves. And so if that's the case, then we can always just be growing and always just be yeah. exploring something for ourselves. And, um, and that's fantastic. And, and one of my favorite, not, sorry, did I interrupt? No, no. Oh, um, one of my favorite quotes is if I'm the smartest person in the room I'm in the wrong room. room yeah and so I always feel like you should never want to stop learning or growing or and the second they feel like you know it all or you don't have any more to learn well one yeah I would love to meet you but two, <laughs> like, 
<laughs> like that you shouldn't you should yeah. continually want to grow yeah and so uh that film i remember seeing all of the amazing pictures that you were posting when you were yeah. you know releasing that i mean you got to meet some pretty amazing people that um uh you know you don't really get the opportunity to yeah. meet. So what was just in hearing all the people's stories? I mean, I would imagine, you know, how was that whole aspect for you? Because I know it was all relating back to how they get started in the business and Marion and all of that stuff. But I mean, just being able to sit down with people and, 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 and get that type of content had to well, been. I think one, you know, a couple of things stood out to me. One is, um, well, I don't know if you remember what my dad did, but growing up, my dad was one of the top executives for Spalding Sports. Yeah. And he was really instrumental in like um, uh, the one, the NBA, getting Spalding NBA and doing endorsement deals. He did some of the first endorsement deals um, with professional athletes. And so yep. growing up, we were around people like Larry Bird and Dr. J and Magic Johnson. Johnson. And yeah. I remember seeing rice. some of those. I remember seeing some of those side basketballs at the, at your house. Oh, I have a funny story about one of those. You have to yeah. remind me to tell you that. But um, okay. but so growing up, I we were around some of these um, larger than life celebrity like mm -hmm. figures, especially Massachusetts because it's such a sports state. But so I think the first thing that going through the process of casting by reminded me of is we're all human, right? Like I love that. Like we went and we had this incredible day with Robert Duvall. We actually went to his ranch in Virginia and his wife made us like bread pudding and little sandwiches. And we were, after we did the interview with him, we sat on his ranch and just talked about the movie business. And, mm -hmm. and it was like this incredible day. And, and the overriding factor wasn't like, oh my gosh, we were with yeah. Robert Duvall. It was like, it was just, oh my gosh, what a cool guy. What like, a, what a great guy. And the second thing that really kind of stood out to me through the whole process was that we all long for somebody to just believe in us and as much as we believe in ourselves sometimes mm -hmm. or, to, or to take a chance on us. And I think that that's, look, Casting By was um, probably one of the largest, actually I know it was one of the largest assemblies of legendary talent like that in one film. Yeah. And I believe that the reason I was able to achieve that is because we tapped into a time in their lives that was before all of the fame, mm -hmm. right? Before all of the approaches for interviews where it's talking about like, what was it like working with this director? What was it like working with this co-star? We're taking back to a time where we say, what was it like when nobody believed in you and this woman did changed your life? Yeah. And, and, and because yeah, like, everyone has a pivotal moment yeah. of 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 that whole of that whole aspect regardless yeah, of success you know what i mean yeah. and or perceived success you know what i mean as far yeah. as like recognition and things like that because there's certainly a lot of people who have achieved a lot of things that a lot of people don't know about but yeah. there is the all there is that common thread yeah and i think that that's what uh that's what made the film, it was very important to us that we weren't just telling a, um, you know, film centric or, or a, um, a entertainment industry only film. Yeah. We knew that the underdog idea is a universal idea, right? Like there were stories 
of actors who weren't supposed to get the part or but something happened or Marion fought for them or whatever and they got this part and that changed their life that taps into people who aren't necessarily in the entertainment industry but are who are trying to get this opportunity or get this yeah. moment in life and they can connect to like oh if that could happen for them it could happen for me too mm -hmm. and I think that's really important in any project I work on um, or my producing partner we really um, the idea of um, connecting and um, being able to relate, like relatability yeah. is huge. You want an audience to somehow watch that and feel some kind of personal connection. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know? No, that's fantastic. And I would imagine that what some of uh, you and Mike are doing uh, with uh, the camper allows you some creative time to sometimes just sit and think about, uh, uh, you know, future projects or, yeah. you know, things. Yeah. So, um, so I'm going to elaborate in case whoever cares or is watching. <laughs> um, so my husband um, and I back, it was last July, every 4th of July, we go up to Maine, to see my family and yeah. it's like the one time of year that we all get together mm -hmm. and because of covid this year um if you remember it was right before the fourth of july that numbers just took yeah. off i and remember my sister was at a celtics game march 5th yeah and it was at that game that somebody tested positive oh no way that they didn't realize until was like COVID. Yeah. march 7th or 8th and then because that was the big um yeah there was a big convention uh pharmaceutical yeah. convention in boston That's crazy yeah well, i remember funny uh too is it was my father uh we were having a retirement party for him on march 14th and mm. it was the week leading up to march 14th that they started closing so we were like do we cancel this what do we do and we we ultimately wound up having it some people couldn't attend but yeah. really the, the majority of people did and we were able to see our family and all be together and it was that next week that we went into lockdown everything, so everything locked down. but but this was like leading into um the fourth of july we had that summer spike mm -hmm. and i you know was fighting it and fighting it because in my mind i was like no we're, we're going to maine no we are going to see my family like we are doing this and it was devastating to me when i realized like no, actually we can't go because mm -hmm. we can't get on a plane because we can't potentially risk getting my parents sick. And, and so uh, how do you get around that? You buy a camper and drive up to Maine. Yeah, <laughs> so, and you guys rented one, right? For a weekend, tested yeah, we it had, out and yeah, then- we, That was when Mike knew that he had me because <laughs> for, for, he'd always, he always wanted a camper. And yeah. for Father's Day, I surprised him and I rented a camper locally here in Texas. And we spent a weekend on a lake with the boys in this camper. And that was when, and he was right, because like, I was like, oh, I could probably do this. Like, I'm not a big <laughs> camper person per se, but mm -hmm. if I have my own bathroom and my own kitchen, I'm like, I could probably do that. And so that was when I was first like, mm, okay. Mm -hmm. And then it was when we had to cancel the trip to Maine that I was like, yeah, we're buying a camper. That's yeah. happening. Let's get a camper. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we did. And it's such it was, a, yeah. It's such a nice way to just kind of travel, right? Like see a lot of different places that typically you don't see as well as it, just incredible. take some downtime, decompress. It, it, it was one of, you know, we keep saying there was this whole 
world of camping and campers that we didn't even know existed. Like there's this whole underbelly of this camper life <laughs> that people aren't aware of that is amazing. And it was really awesome because, you know, one, we had the ability to not feel like we were trapped by COVID. Yeah. So we would take off and we've seen pretty much like we've seen so many Texas state parks and state parks, by the way, kick ass. Yeah. And so we've, we were able to escape kind of that pressure cooker of COVID because we felt like we were living, we were mm -hmm. getting out. And I, and I think that's one of the beautiful things, again, lessons and blessings, because COVID is a real bitch. Um, I, you know, really feel like one of the blessings was that it forced us to make this decision, which, which in turn forced us to start really enjoying how beautiful our country is and yeah. enjoying the fact that there are state parks around everybody that you can mm -hmm. go to. And, and, and you, and I didn't fully appreciate how much peace and calm just being in a setting like that is. Yeah. And, yeah. and so it really, it was a game changer for us just in terms of life and living life. And, you know, you know, um, unfortunately Mike lost both of his parents within one year yeah. and it was really his mom in particular was just a devastating blow because it was not expected. She had a stroke, she started to recover, had a second stroke and it was just a bad deal. Yeah. And Mike and I really went through a good like two to three years of nothing but just bad. It was just loss and death and just bad. Yeah. And I, you know, I feel like it, it really flipped a switch for Mike and I where we realized, you know what, screw it. We only live once. We're not going to save for the retirement thing. We're going to go buy a freaking camper and enjoy life because nothing is promised. Every day is a gift. And we really, I, I feel like it was because we went through that time that mm -hmm. we wake up every day appreciating everything we have and wanting to live and enjoy life. That's it, right? Like, you know, stop wasting weeks and days and minutes, really. And that's what led me to this, you know, journaling for myself was just, it was like, yeah. what do I want? And then how did I do? And yeah. What do I want? Love and that. then how did I do? And Love it was that. just that continuous process and this continuous evolution of, you know, who I am. And I'm so inspired by you, Scott. I'll tell you, you oh, know, I watching that. what you went through <clears throat> with your mom, it, uh, I mean, my mom has a brain injury. I don't know if you knew that, but she no. um, had had a brain hemorrhage back when we, when I was in college mm. um, that, that, um, you know, here, what happened is my dad was, uh, had gotten a job in California. My mom moved out with him and we had just visited them for winter break. And it was the next week that my mom had started to feel sick. She had a cold, whatever. Well, what had happened is her doctor was away and the doctor covering for her doctor prescribed a medication that interacted with her Coumadin and literally thinned her blood to the point that it just started seeping in her brain. And she had a massive hemorrhage and, you know, it was within a matter of hours that my dad was on the phone with us and my sisters and I had to get on a plane. My brother was already there, flew out and about maybe an hour after we got there, the surgeon came out and said, you know, unfortunately she started hemorrhaging again. And at this point, you're just going to have to let 
nature take its course. She's not going to survive this. And if she does, she will be non-functional. And to my father's credit, we were all sobbing and crying. Um, and my dad said, you don't know my wife, give her an inch. She'll take a mile. You're doing the surgery. And, mm -hmm. and he, and he was crying, my dad. And he said, I don't want you to mistake these tears for me making sure. an emotional decision. I'm telling you, you don't know my wife. Yeah. And he, and the surgeon hesitated. He did not want to do this. And he said, okay, I'll get you the papers. And he came back and my dad signed the papers. He did the surgery. And if you saw my, my mom sees neurologists today nice. that are like, yeah. there's no way that you, this happened to you. Mm -hmm. Um, cause she's a fighter. Um, but it, it, you know, unfortunately she's 99%, right? Like nobody, sure. knows, yeah. but she knows. And we know there are things that aren't, that aren't there. They're just a little different. Yes. And so when I saw you know, knowing what we had gone through with the struggle with my mom, which was hands down the worst experience of my entire life. Um, to see you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, it was just the ultimate uh, sign of love to see you take care of your mom the way that you did. And I think yeah. that to be able to channel that into what you're doing now, talk about finding your purpose. You know, I mean, I think that. That was such a create, and I, you know, not to cut you off. And I appreciate no, that so, out. so much. Um, please, I, please. No, that, <laughs> I know. Um, you know, that whole journey that, you know, my sister, my wife that I took uh, that, you know, it was, it was wild. Um, you know, and, and I never anticipated any of that because originally like she was going to go live with my sister and I was only doing this for a short period of time. And then, you know, my sister was having her family and it was just like, okay, this just isn't going to work. And so, um, and so I went through a lot of, <clears throat> I went through a lot of emotions Yeah. from denial to, frustration and anger and resentment and um i finally came upon gratitude and that changed my life yeah. uh, just having the ability to be grateful to give this experience to my mom it really became poetic for me because it yeah. was it, i went full circle with her and on our, on our journey and uh um yeah, it just allowed me to look at things completely different. And I don't want other people to have to go through a journey like that to find purpose, what to it, find right. passion, to, yeah. to know where to, or to just go through 40 years, just kind of floating along and not really finding any of that. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's out there and it's like, just go get it because yeah. life is too short. Yeah. And we get boggled down in the nonsensical doesn't matter shit. Like yeah. it, like, if we could realize how much we stress out about shit that does not matter, like we would take so much pressure off. Ourselves. Honestly, just even launching this podcast, I had been thinking about it. I had been thinking about it. And again, I was nervous because I had never done anything. I didn't even listen to podcasts. Like I didn't even know where yeah. to go. I was, I had asked my buddy, I was just like, how do I even find a podcast? And then, so thinking about creating one was completely off the right radar for me, even though I was like thinking about it. Yeah. 
and then but taking that first step took me a long time but then once i did i was just like everything you know the hair in the back of my neck stand stood up and i know from a fact when that happens that's a good sign and well, so i was just like off to but the I races have to say, it's important what you're saying and, and this is what people need to know is it's really not difficult to do anything that you want to do all you have to do is take one step like yeah like you knew nothing about producing a podcast and starring a podcast or whatever. Like, but you were like, Oh, I guess I can try this. I knew nothing about (laughs) producing. I didn't know how to produce anything, but I was like, well, we're screwed. I got to do something. So I'm going to try this. Either I step in or this potentially fails and it's not going to fail. So what do we have to do? And that's the thing. It's just one step. And I, I love the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. And like, that's really what it takes. Like, so figure out how to fix this one little problem or figure out how to do this one little thing and then get to the next little thing. And then eventually you're living a life. And, you know, look, I, I'm not oblivious to the fact that people have to pay bills. Like life has to happen. You can't just say, well, I'm going to pursue my dreams and everything yeah. poof is magic. I totally get it. I was in that situation. And I literally remember like countless times lying on my apartment floor in New York City sobbing because I had no idea how I was going to pay my bills. How was I going to feed myself? I didn't want to complain to my parents again because they had helped me enough. And it was just like, Mm -hmm. like this horrible feeling. But, you know, I I will say nobody's saying you have to like give up your means of making a life. But if there's something you feel that you should be doing, dedicate time to doing it. You can take an hour a week and dedicate it towards something that brings you joy or pleasure. And I, you know, and uh, I love an analogy and I know we're, we're, we're uh, getting close to an hour. Oh my so. gosh. I just, oh, wow. <laughs> Time flies when you're having fun. But it does. But I tell people, you know, um, think of your 24 hours as a glass jar. If you don't put those big stones in the glass jar first, your priorities, the things that, you know, mean the most to you. When you start putting other people's priorities into that glass jar, you're then never able to put those other big stones back in. And so you have to start that way. And if you don't know what those priorities are, just start thinking about them, you know, start understanding it and make yourself a priority. That's you know, it. Make it, yeah, give yourself make it, 30 minutes of whatever it is that you need so that you can do these things for yourself and you can find time. Time yep. is amazing. That's what amazing. I, you know, that's the one thing I will say is we are, we are all very good at making excuses, but that's all they are. They're excuses yeah. and they're not hurting anybody but yourself. So yeah. when you make the decision that I've always wanted to do this, or I've always felt like this is my calling if you're not finding at least an hour a week, which is not a lot, or even a five lot. minutes, a half hour a then, day, you then can, right. You then know, wake how, up a half hour earlier. It? Yeah, exactly. Right. Like it, yeah. it, uh, you know, it really is. Uh, uh, it's amazing. And, and here's the, the talking about the uh, universe and attraction and blah, blah, blah. You'll be shocked at how five minutes dedicated towards this one thing will lead to something else. Good. Will will lead to something else. Good. Will lead to something else. Good. Like it's a chain reaction. It's really intention. Yeah, no, 100%. Because a lot of it, like even some of the things that I do now, like I was never an endurance athlete in high school. I was the guy, I mean, you knew me, I was a big guy for me to run two miles was I had to do it during double sessions because I could never make my time, you know, like that just wasn't, 
but then I go off. I ran a half marathon. I've, I know now I've, you and Kathy are I've all like rode, all jacked. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I like I've rode two and a half at one sitting. I did a two and a half, you know, two and a half marathons. And, and it was one of those things where I could never see myself as this individual, but I started doing something else for myself, which then allowed me to continue to evolve into doing something else. And this is my journey. It has, yeah. and it's, and it's not anybody else's, but I enjoy it because, you know, I row an hour a day. It gives me mental clarity. It gives me physical strength. It, I got you very know, lazy over the COVID time and like gained like 10 pounds, not thrilled about it, but I, you know, I keep saying, and I've always talked to my brother about this because my brother is like, I don't know if you remember, he's huge. Of course. In, in Listen, I remember I went back to, when I wasn't, when I didn't go to way to college, yeah. I went back and uh, I coached freshman football. Oh, so right, right, I, right. Yeah. yeah. No, your brother and I go back. Yeah. And I totally forgot about that. But, but, you know, we always talk about this idea that yes, the getting in shape and looking good is a bonus. But that's not really the why of being active and working out and doing it because mentally we feel at our strongest. We feel confident. We feel yeah. engaged. And so like that for, you know, I, I mean, not to sidetrack from what you were saying, but like that, no, but that whole like waking up and making it a part of your day, man, it just totally changes everything. Even going for my walks, like my walks are my meditation time. Yeah. And, and, you know, I wouldn't, and, and please don't say even going for my walks because I know, I know. walking is a great thing for people yeah. to do. It really is like, yeah. and that's what, and that's what really people like don't understand. It's like, Oh, I'm going to go back to the gym and then they want to go back five days a week and all of these different things. And it's just like, you don't have to go to an extreme. If you want to do something good for yourself, anything, a walk, half hour walk, 15 minutes yeah. of meditation, you know, it's there, there are five minutes of meditation, five minutes. of med- There's you know, five there's minute a, guided meditations online. I love, uh, I started to get into quarantine. We lost our morning workout routine and yeah. I had wanted to find meditation. I had been trying to do it. Could never find a good routine for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that became my new morning routine and it was a game it's, changer. It's such a game changer. Well, you know, Another funny side note of the hmm. many things that Kate Lacey Kylie has done <laughs> is I actually was certified to teach yoga um, yeah. back in like 2009 or something. And that was a huge eye opener for me because I went in it to like, I was like, I'm going to get super buff, but it, I wasn't prepared for that spiritual side of it. Mm-hmm. And meditation is so um, beneficial for us. We have no idea, idea. Totally. what it does for us. I was so intimidated the first time I went to a yoga class that I didn't go in. And then I went back, you know, only when my wife took me. Um, but then I became, you know, I, for like a good six months before I started CrossFit, I was doing yoga five, it's really, six days a week. And, I'm gonna but it was it. so yeah. humbling. The first time I went, I was humbled like I had never been before. And the best thing about it was that the sign at the door said, leave your ego at the door. I was just going to say, yep, I, I, was was, say. I was amazing for me. For anybody who is going to consider doing yoga, I will tell you the, the very principle of yoga is to go at your own pace. Do mm-hmm. not be in competition. Also realize that like teachers aren't really watching everybody in the class. So be very careful because you can hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. But 
really go at your own pace. That is the very essence of yoga. The asanas, the poses in yoga, they were formed from meditation. So, so basically you would have these people that were like trying to meditate and putting it into a physical form. Those mm. became the asanas, which are the poses in yoga. And so if you think about going through these poses, they're only really beneficial if you're using them the way they're supposed to be used, which is at your pace, mm -hmm. your flow. And that's where like, you know, breathing plays a huge part, yeah. uh, letting go of all of the distraction and just focusing on kind of where you are and what you're doing. And yeah, and, uh, yeah it's a great practice. And, and, I, and I do a lot of nose breathing too now with my rowing and all of that because it's- uh, Pranayama. It's just, it's, yeah, well, so and, good. But just back to the, the, you, the working out thing, I think something that's also really important just in terms of success is finding the right partner because your whole working out thing, I noticed you and Kathy were doing that together and like, and Mike and listen, I mean, yes, my life had clearly already started, but I feel like meeting, re-meeting yeah. Mike was the start of my life. He has, he is my everything. Mm -hmm. He has brought so much um, more to who I am as a person. And so, you know, I think it, it's, it's, um, it's mind blowing to me because I didn't find until so much later in life. Right. But like watching you and Kathy, like commit to this new lifestyle that you were doing, like, you know, I, you have to say, um, it doesn't require the other person, but my God, does it make things so much better to have that other person? Yes. Again, it's an individual journey, but it's so much, it's so much easier with support and, and, yeah. and, and support and mentorship goes a long way in all aspects of life. Uh, but yeah, from the right partner, somebody who's going to encourage you to do these things, somebody that is going to lead by example and, and, and kind of help. And you that get can be a friend because, too, by the way, I'm not yes. saying like, I, oh, I, yeah. I, cause I don't want it to be like, you know, well, what if I, I don't have a partner, but yeah, no, genius, it's anybody. You know? <laughs> and and yeah, well, no, and that's it. And, and again, it's anybody that surround yourself with individuals that support you instead you of you know kind of uh put self-doubt or anything Naysayers. like that because yeah you're you're only going to get to explore new things and i didn't you know kathy was a, a crossfitter before i even attempted it and i remember you know she had been doing it for like a year before you know and i see these pictures and i see these guys with you know uh they're taking pictures and they're working out with their shirts off and they're ripped. And I'm just like, one, what kind of workout place are you going to? <laughs> I don't know that I like that. And, and then, and then it was like, two, like, I need to do something to keep up. <laughs> but then it was really, it was great because we helped each other through routines. We helped each other establish new healthy things for ourselves well, and you that we both enjoy. Yeah. And it was, uh, and it's a fun journey when, yeah. you know, we get to do these things together. 100%. Yep. Totally. She, well, thinks, that, she thinks some of the stuff I do is crazy now, but it's okay. She still well, supports it. I mean, so that's, that's marriage too, by the way. <laughs> I also, you know, I do feel like, um, uh, well, I was going to go on a whole nother side note, but again, I don't want to make it about relationships, but like, I literally am more excited by Mike's success than I am for my own. Like, it's mm. so weird. It's so yeah, weird. It's, like it's that fun. is, it's crazy. Like, I don't know. 
it's I I was like a big whatever yeah sure you saw you knew when you first met him that he was one well okay. you know and but I, him, but I'm like, oh. <laughs> I think that I think that it goes to uh just another kind of thought that like regardless of relationships or regardless of you know kind of who you're with when you're open and you do things out of love um your world expands and yeah, so um I, yes, I think you nailed it yeah so i think that it's just a matter of i really learned how to love with kathy i didn't yeah. have that before losing my father yeah. at an early age allowed me to or had me i didn't really deal with it and so i closed off and so yeah. i didn't want to experience that pain again yeah of losing somebody like that. Yeah. So my way of dealing with that was to not to really, not have it. was to not let anybody in that yeah. way. Um, and so, yeah, I think that that's just a- um, But I think that you nailed it when you said like, if you don't need, like when I say that person could be your friend, it could also be yourself. Like, look, I successfully produced casting by on my own. Like I didn't even know Mike at that point so like yeah. it's not i'm not saying like you can't have success oh, of course. Not, but what i'm saying is like how great it is when you have a buddy like mike is my buddy he's my best friend he's like and so that buddy could literally just be your buddy or it could be a part of yourself and i think a big part of that is and i'm working on this too because i think i'm very critical of myself and i'm very um judgy of myself if i'm not living up to what i feel like my expectations are of myself mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so i'm really focusing on being kind to myself yeah, and the words that I use towards myself. And I think I that was just talking about that, that this morning to somebody um, uh, about that is that yeah. we have to be very careful of the words that we say, not just to other people, but to ourselves, to ourselves, because we hear that. And so yeah. over and over, when we say these things about ourselves, we start to believe it. And then yeah. our world and then starts that's to reflected shrink. in our life. Like, yeah. you, you really, I, I think it's, it's something that we all need to um, wake up every morning and remind us of what badasses yeah. we are. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, this is well, really this, fun. This was fantastic, Kate. I uh, listen. I uh, I truly enjoy. And uh, sorry, a droid? I truly, I'm a droid. <laughs> I truly enjoyed this whole uh, you know this whole conversation and and really just being a role model for other people to to emulate really, you know, following, you know, the things that know. you wanted. <laughs> no, really it, it is, it, you know, it's a nice way to really kind of put yourself out there and follow your passions, which, you know, people lead by example, other people see that. And, you know, that's the fun in all of it. So yeah, and uh, I think again, it, again, it's like, nobody's saying that you have to do everything today, but you only get one shot at life. So like, if you're not happy, start, start to reevaluate, like yeah. really think to yourself, what brings me joy? How can I take one tiny step to get me that? Excellent. Yep. Well, it's good seeing you. All right. And I'm going to just uh, 